Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is what we call a three technique. This is what we call a three technique. On the ride with Royster. And the pitch is caught on a miss. And he struck out Beltre with a slider. Here's the one-two. Struck him out swing. Well, what a game for Pineda. In six innings, he has 12 strikeouts. Three walks, one run, two hits. Wow. Uh, you know, our friend Susan Waldman, who's uh, the John Sterling's partner on the Yankee broadcast, Tells me what a great guy he is. What a nice guy he is. Yeah. He'd drive me nuts if I had to listen to him all summer. For 162 oh, games. I'd, I'd want to stab myself with a pencil. He would drive me crazy. But, hit hit but here is the most prosperous or at least the most valuable franchise in Major League Baseball. And he does every inning. They don't divide oh. it up. Yeah, you're Susan right. Does, Susan's the analyst, and he does every inning. So it, it's incredible. He must I, hate home. Oh, he does. He just, <laughs> uh, but he's a, he's an odd duck. Anyway, uh, Michael Pineda, who pitched very well for the Twins, I mean for the Twins, for the Yankees last season until he blew out his uh, UCL and in August. And the Twins today announced that they have signed him, Michael Pineda, to a two-year contract. So they're going to pay him $2 million next year as his rehab uh, year, 2018. He'll spend a lot of time in Fort Myers rehabbing. And then he gets $8 million in 2019. Uh, the same chance uh, that the Cubs are taking, as you pointed out, with Drew Smiley, who blew out his uh, UCL with... Uh, Seattle. Seattle. Okay, mm-hmm. I was thinking Tampa. But... I saw today here MLB Network. I got it on in the background, and they said, "Who will come out?" the The topic of discussion is who will come out better in the deal: Pineda, or the Twins, or the Cubs? On the on the Tommy. Well, we're not going to know until. How in the hell would we know? I mean, <laughs> come on. Do we have to kill that much time that we debate about something that does not exist? <laughs> I mean, you don't know who one of them might. One of them might have had a bad surgery and never pitches again, right? But it was successful. The surgery was yeah, successful. Well, they're always successful. You know, I wouldn't even mind the Twins if they decided to do this with a guy like Trevor Rosenthal because he's also expected to miss all of next year because that kid, when he's right, mm-hmm. is a really good relief pitcher. I wonder if he, that might even cost you more, though, huh? You think? Uh, you know, I'd do it. Hey, 8-4 uh, and four last year, 439 ERA, uh, 103 strikeouts and 96 innings, so we like that. 
he's a big lout, and he was always uh, considered that uh, he's six foot uh, eight, right? Six seven, mm-hmm. two sixty. They always considered that he was going to be better than he was. And actually, uh, you know, the Yankees made that trade. They gave up Jesus Montero, the catcher, who was supposed to be this fantastic prospect. He got fatter than Jose Maharis and uh, ended up uh, being a, a lout and a loser. But Pineda never pitched as well for the Yankees you know, as they thought he was going to. And we all know the famous incident with Pineda when John Farrell walked out to the umpire and said, come on. He's got nine gallons of pine tar on his neck. <laughs> we got to do yes, something yes, here. That, that too. Well, but you know. But no, when he's right, man, that curveball's got some movement yeah, to it. And uh, I think he throws a forkball too. Yes, he does. Whoop. Well, uh, anyway, that's it. Uh, I got news for the Twins' uh, brain trust, though. Uh, this can't be the uh, big move of the summer. No, we the, need another the one. Winter. We right. need another move. We need another move here. Come on. Mike Smith, he nearly turned it over to Granlin. Now Gaudreau in, winds and fires, and a save by Stalock. Furland wants to extend it. Stalock can win it for the Wild. And a save by Stalock! A shootout win for the Wild! Uh, Alex Stalock had to come in for the third period. Do we know what Doobie did to himself? Lower body? Oh, lower body I'm guessing lower Lower body. body. Lower body. (laughs) Injury. Doobie had to leave. And uh, Stalock came in and uh, played the third period, and then uh, the uh, the uh, he came back and uh, uh, beat him in the shootout. Right, so uh, two to one shootout win. Stalock made sixteen saves in relief and turned aside another four in the shootout. And uh, in their previous game. Stalock also had played the four to four to three overtime win over the Sharks. These guys have become an overtime a juggernaut. Uh, they're six zero oh, and one over their last seven games at home. Well, they're six and one. We don't count the one. Nope. Uh, they're six and one in their last seven at home, and they've also won uh, four out of five and uh, four all four of them in either an overtime or a shootout. But Stalock, uh, Minnesota U, uh, UMD boy. And uh, has uh, been pretty good for him as the backup. Saved a lot of money uh, by bringing him in instead of Dirk Cooper. Dirk Cooper was making more money than him, right? Sixes with 3.50 to go in overtime, leading by point. Joel, wing jump shot, bucket, and beat, puts it in. The Sixers lead by three. Out of Simmons against Jimmy Butler to the left of the lane. Ben gets Joel to pop out. Reddick gets the ball up top and beat. Three ball by Embiid. Up and goes. Joel Embiid knocks it out. And the Sixers are up by seven. A triple by JoJo. 111, 104. <laughs> I apologize to John Sterling. I'd, uh, rather, I'd rather listen to him for a baseball season than whoever the 76ers. That is an Eastern announcer, though. Yes, it is. That, yes, it that is. is an Eastern announcer. Uh, uh, once the Timberwolves went to overtime last night, I gave them a little chance, yep. and not because they were tired, although I would like to see them use their bench a little more, too, than Timberwolves. But the 76ers have better players. Simmons and Embiid played Towns and Wiggins mm-hmm. to 21, 10 games. They're better. Towns and Wiggins win two, two out of 10. Simmons and Embiid are better players than they are. Yep. Embiid is, he's the closest thing I've seen to Akeem. Yeah. Uh, seven foot tall, Cameroon, 250. Of course, he's been hurt constantly. Uh, third overall pick, and even now they're only playing him a uh, selected number of minutes. 
uh, to try to keep him healthy. But the guy is an absolute a monster. And even after all the time he's missed, uh, March 16th, 1994, so he's uh, 23 years old. 23, yep. And Ben Simmons. When I saw him play for LSU, I was not that impressed. I don't think he had any idea what he was trying to do. Well, he was and then a, I saw him in the summer league, and I yeah. said, "Oh my goodness, is yeah. he good?" <laughs> well, LSU. The, the unfortunate thing is LSU. He was surrounded by like nothing else, mm-hmm. and they, they they didn't even make the tournament. They, didn't they make made the, the NIT, but uh, but, but uh, uh, he was terrific. He uh, comes from Melbourne, of course, and he's six foot ten, and basically is a guard if he wants he's to be. He's a point guard. Yeah, he is fantastic, and uh, they. Uh, uh, he got 20, uh, Embiid got 28, Simmons got, uh, what, 23 last night, and they uh, end up beating the Wolves. And, uh, the Isn't Wolves, it good for the league, by the way, too, that the Sixers are good? Because that's a good basketball used, market. Yeah, it used yeah. to be a fantastic basketball town. Of course, it, it you know, the Flyers of the 70s turned it into a great hockey sure, town, too. Sure. But, uh, and if you watch the Sixers, too, they're fun. They're fun oh, to watch. God, I mean, yeah. you, you you get a 6'10 mm-hmm. point guard dishing mm-hmm. the ball over the place, and Bede is fun to watch play, and he's a character and all that stuff. And they got, and they got the guy that, and they were able to afford to bathe, play the guy that, and I hate to say this because he's a pukey, but uh, they got the guy that this team could have used more than anybody. Reddick. Josh Reddick. Last yeah. night, what did it end up? They were four out of 25 at one point for, the Wolves, yeah. on, on threes. Yeah. Was that what it was? Fine. I, I think four, four, for, 25. four for 25, yeah. Now, they turned it over. Philadelphia turned it over 25 Tw- times. 21 times, But the yeah. reason you win when you turn it over that often is the other team makes four out of 25 on threes, right? Yeah. When the Wolves when the wolves <laughs> shoot the three ball well, they win. When they don't, they lose. And it's as simple as that. And their big problem is they don't really have a three ball shooter except the guy who's 38 years old, Jamal Crawford. So. Mm-hmm. All righty, we shall return. Coach Herm, I believe we'll have Coach Herm. Well, uh, Herm might be out there getting himself a prized recruit. Uh, So we got to get himself some blue chippers. Yeah, might be looking for the new Cam Newton to play uh, quarterback. I did see someone tweet out today that uh, Herm... Uh, that they're potentially looking at David Gibbs as a uh, defensive, defensive coordinator, coordinator for him out there. Okay, yeah, former sure. Gophers defensive coordinator. Now, so, uh, and he was with Herman, the, Kansas City, I believe. Did some of the coordinators leave because they were they were trying to maintain the same coaching staff. We might have Herm here. Now. Yeah, we could Let's talk to Coach now. Herm himself. There he is. How are you doing, Herm? I was I was in, I was I'm I'm I, I I'm a recruit the wide receiver that was in their house and I said you know what? I got to call Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was just going to ask you if you have you found a quarterback who looks like Cam Newton yet? Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, there's, there's a couple walking around. I'm just kind of you know telling them, hey, it'd be a nice place where your sun's always shining. You know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've been running around like a crazy man, though, huh? Yeah, I've been all over the place. I was in Houston a couple of days ago, and now I'm back in California, Southern California. Now I'm going to head back up to Northern California tomorrow. And then we got a, we got a, about 15 kids coming in this weekend. So signing date, as you know, was early. Yeah, that's right. Kids on the 20th. So 
We're trying to get some of them done. Okay, I uh, was going to ask you. We just uh, saw the. So, do you have what I was going to ask you before we get in the NFL? Your coaching mm-hmm. staff are you still putting it together? Or is a lot of the guys yeah, staying? Yeah, the staff is intact. Uh, Phil Bennett, you know, we wanted him to stay, but he had some health issues and things where he just said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna just make sure I take care of myself. So that was fine. So. We're in we're in hunt for a coordinator, and I've got a lot of guys, interview guys next week. I got a lot of guys that want to come down there and coordinate. Wow, that's something. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask you about that Viking uh, Carolina game. Uh, Newton is an interesting case, isn't he? He he doesn't do much, and all of a sudden he makes this impossible throw after, when they're going to sack him for a touchdown, and then he runs 60 yards. He's uh, there's never been one like him, I don't think. No, and you know, and I've known him since he since he was in college, and um, he is uh, he is a competitive guy, and he's one of those guys. The bigger the moment, he really likes it, you know. And I said this when they were going to play Minnesota. I said this is the kind of game where Cam Newton he likes this game. You know, Minnesota has beaten him up the last couple times. He knows it. He's going to do something. He just is. If you watch, that's his DNA. I mean, from college <laughs> to pro. He just finds a way all of a sudden to make a play. I mean, yeah, that's kind of who he is. And, uh, yeah, he only threw for like 140 yards or yeah, something. But right. uh, uh, but they gashed him twice with runs. They're an interesting team, too. They kind of play old-fashioned football with a, yeah, with a, rock, with a you know, quarterback like nobody's ever had before. But they like, to, they like to hold the ball and play defense. Yeah, they do. And, um, you know, when they run the ball, that helps their defense. They got a good defense, too. You know, the defense does a nice job of uh, – Got some great linebackers. Got a good front. Got a young secondary from last year when they, when they gained a lot of experience. But uh, they're good. They're and they're hard to beat at home too. They play really good at home. Yeah, the Packers are now going to try to go down there, and uh, that's uh, that's an interesting yeah. place to test out uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers' shoulder, man. Oh man, you can get hit by that crew. Yeah, and that's it's dicey, you know. But they're right; they're in it. They're they're trying to get him, gain a spot. You know, I said this about three weeks ago, now, and I probably said it with you talking. I said, you know, that NFC uh, South is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like all three of those teams might have a chance to win ten games. You know, so I mean, all the the, the, the division winner and the two playoff teams could come out of there. So it's interesting now. You know, with Philly losing, that losing the quarterback, all of a sudden. That has become very, very interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you lose. Uh, I know Nick Foles will give you an effort, but uh, it, it, that the difference in arm strength is rather alarming. Yeah. And, you know, look, Wentz was in the race for the MVP. Yep. I mean, let's don't lose sight of that, you know. So it's going to be kind of you know peculiar to watch how they play offense. Defense is still good, but offensively they lost something when you lose a guy like that. Oh yeah, there's uh, no doubt about it. I right now, with uh, with uh, Foles taking over for Wentz, I think you know the Vikings are sitting pretty, but they also the to me the New Orleans is the best team out there floating around right now in the NFC. Be to, yeah for to come up yeah. here and maybe beat you. Well, they're playing hot, you know, and and, and, and and there's no doubt. And when they play at home, they're really good. Um, I do know this. I think Philly has become a little bit like um, like Minnesota in the sense when you lose your quarterback. You know, they got a quarterback now that's got to play well and, 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 and don't make plays to lose games. You know, don't turn the ball over because your defense is good enough to keep you in the game. Where the Saints, 
they got a quarterback that can actually win it in the fourth quarter. I mean, he can, and they got a defense that's the number wise, what they do well is they take the ball away. That's one thing they do. Yes, their defense. Yeah, and they got the, uh, you know, it looked uh, uh, two months ago, it looked like the kid in Kansas City might be the rookie of the year, but uh, this running no, back, uh, the running back, New good. Orleans got or something. Yeah, Kareem. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, Ingram, I mean, not Ingram, Kamara. You know, it's funny. He couldn't play in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? The guy didn't play. Well, maybe that's why the Tennessee got a new football coach. <laughs> well, 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 <laughs> that, uh, that can happen. Hey, uh, it doesn't look good for your uh, friend Marvin Lewis. Uh, not, that was uh, they, they gave it all they had against Pittsburgh, let it get away, yeah. and uh, they kind of went out there and laid a big egg against the Bears. Well, emotionally, that's what happens, you know, when, when, when you play with that kind of emotion against a, a division opponent and you're really beating them for the most part. And that goes to show you who Pittsburgh is. You know, those three guys they have, those three Bs, Ben, Bell, and, and, and Antonio Brown, I mean, it's they, they can close the game out. And that's what makes them so unique. You know, they've got three great players and two of the best players in the runner and in the wide receiver that they're never out of the game. Okay, I got to ask you a couple of questions about recruiting. Uh, last time you were doing this, it was 25 years ago. We didn't have cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. When you go into the when you go into the house now, is uh, can you keep the kid from looking at the cell phone while you're talking to mom and dad? Or uh, yeah, no, they have been very great. You know, they they kind of <laughs> coaches in. They kind of know me. You know, <laughs> all cell phones hadn't been a call yet. We're talking eye to eye. You know, it's been very cordial. I know this. After all this, I'm going to gain 10 pounds because when you walk in people's house, they always have food. And they say, Coach, <laughs> what would you like to eat? I said, anything you put out there, I'm going to eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the greatest ever Barry Switzer story of the year in the life of Barry Switzer? One of no. those NFL stories. Yeah. Uh, Barry's telling about this kid he's trying to get in Dallas, right? They're trying to right. get away from Texas. And he's driving out, and it's in the middle of the city, and he tells his driver, he says, hey, before you stop at the front door, let's go out and look in the back here. And they go out, right. and he looks in a garbage can, and he finds like six cans of Pearl beer, right? Okay. So then he goes around to the front, and he walks in, and then starts BSing, and, the, and the, the, the father says, coach, you want a beer? He says, only if it's a Pearl. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> there's I love a, it. There's a move for it. you. So, I love it. I got you. <laughs> okay. Herb, uh, we, we might get you again next week. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, calling. Okay. Count on me. Good All enough. Right. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thanks, okay. uh, Herm Edwards. I can't imagine trying to do this. I got to call Minnesota, he says. Why you're out. <laughs> so awesome. Why you're out trying to. I think his high school, college years were 87 through 89. At San Jose State, right? Yeah. yeah. And he was a defensive backs coach or some damn thing. Yeah. And how much do you think kids have changed in oh, 28 years when you go oh, into it? I would think the biggest thing is attention span just because yes. they're attached to all those things. You know, I mean, that they, they get twitchy if they don't look at their cell phone, right? For a message, and it's yeah. unfortunately, it's you're seeing that not only at the college level, the high school level, but you're seeing it at the junior high and grade school level to a certain extent too. It's it is it's a completely different world than it was 30 years I'll ago. Tell you what, though. My granddaughter is eight, <laughs> and when she gets in the car, Grandpa, can I have your food? Because she doesn't get a cell phone, right? She doesn't have one, so she wants to borrow yours. She wants him. She boom, mom, <laughs> man, she got to get the she got to get the cell phone going, and 
I mean, I don't know what would happen if if you would actually give her one. How you know? great would it be if she grabbed your phone and called Sid? <laughs> <laughs> that well, would be a conversation well, I would want she recorded. Can do more stuff. She sends out more emojis to various people <laughs> than than anybody. But what I'm saying is, she's oh, yeah. eight, and she knows, and exactly. she knows exactly what she's doing too when oh, she yeah. grabs your phone. Yeah. she grabs and your phone. Yeah. So now you got Herm out there trying to convince these kids to go and. Uh, but you know, I I think recruiting will be the least of his problems, don't you? Yeah, I I am. He's, if he's got the if he's got the assistance to identify the right guys for him, I think if he gets in the living room because it's it's gonna seem more real than it will with some other people, right? I think so too. I mean, a butch, yeah. I'm not because it about sounds it. genuine. I'm not talking about our guy. I'm talking about uh. Butch Jones in Tennessee, who was one of those BSer type of guys. Yeah. And you know why? It's because there's a sense of compassion behind oh, yeah. behind the excitement. And it's, you know, he's not going to. I think he's the kind of guy that's going to go in and say, now, if you don't want to do these things, then don't don't come and don't waste your play time. for us. Don't yeah. come and play mm-hmm. for us. We want I'm, you to. I'm going to be the one of the biggest Arizona State fans going forward, man. I, I hope he really does well out there. Uh, we all do. All righty. Uh, we uh, shall return. We got Rich Gannon coming up. We got the NFL doubleheader today. It's fantastic. It skipped ahead to the next video, Patrick, but this is Nancy Kerrigan skating okay, this in is preparation Nancy, of the Olympics. Nancy Kerrigan skating in uh, Lilyhammer with uh, Tanya Hardy. And uh, this was, I was 49 years old, 48. Are you kidding me? Younger than I am old. now. 48 years old, yeah, Damn. when that's occurred, 19... Uh, 1994, that would have been 48 years old. Yeah. Uh, And I was there. And when Nancy and Tanya warmed up together, this was the first time they'd been on the ice together in this auxiliary arena in Lillehammer. Uh, You couldn't have believed the media that was in there. All of us trying to get a peek. Yeah. to see if they were going to fight each other or something. And, of course, the U.S. team was I practicing. They had these skaters in pods, like the two skaters from maybe four different countries were skating around. And uh, Tanya and uh, Nancy stayed on opposite ends of the ice. So then we had the press conference. And I, I can't remember... If they did them separately, they must have done them separately. Sure, I'm they sure they have did done them together. But I remember Tanya's press conference. Well, there's a thirty for thirty. Yeah. And they scan the audience. Yeah. And there's my fat ass. Yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. And I'm kind of ah. scratching my chinny chin chin or my double chin chin yeah. chin there's and a bunch your of rear them end. There. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't do that. Okay. I was like this, and it was it's four seconds. Yes, that's me. Stop. It's been going on for five Stop years, and all you morons see it, and you send me a, a still shot yeah, of it from the did screen. That to you today. Yeah. No, several people have done it now. It must have ran I've again. I've seen it several times it over the years. Must have ran again yeah. in the last three or four days. I love all of a sudden. I get them. 
I love it when every yes. time I see on the ESPN that the 30 for 30 is coming, coming on. And, and I know Twitter will be yeah. a must view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're going to keep. Well, the one, the, my strategy now is, is that you? As I say, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. It's me. So what? Stop It's old news. It's old news. And Nancy got beat, which was kind of fun because she was kind of a brat anyway. All right. <laughs> we'll be back with Rich Cannon. <laughs> Roycey is the traffic. Now, how good is the weather going to be? Traffic and weather together. Is that Roycey? I swear that's Roycey. Uh, I better send Roycey a tweet. Sure looks like God, him. God, I think that's Roycey. Back the tape up. You're along for the ride with Roycey. It's remarkable. You have to enjoy the ride. On 1500 ESPN. Rich Gannon is with us talking purple. Vikings uh, winning streak comes to an end. I got to get your review of Cam Newton as a quarterback. What do you... He is certainly unique in the annals of quarterbacking. What what do you see there? Well, he's not a polished pocket passer, Pat. You know, I think you go back to the late surgery that he had in the offseason, so he really didn't participate at all in the offseason program. He missed all of training camp, and he really struggled early in the season with his accuracy, and I think it affected just his confidence in the pocket. He's He's gotten better throwing the ball a little bit, but, you know, he misses throws. He, you know, I think he, he – obviously he missed Greg Olson for, you know, a big stretch there. And uh, But, you know, he's he's an unbelievable competitor. He's a great athlete. He can extend plays and make plays with his legs, as the Vikings saw firsthand. I mean, he rushed – he had almost 70 yards rushing, whatever it was. And, and you know, those plays hurt you. They, they seem to show up, you know, on third down, third and six. He pulls it down and makes a big run, you know, and, and – uh, and that that kind of ignites that stadium, ignites that that, that offense, and and uh, they're a good football team. I mean, look, they've got a really good defense, as the Vikings saw on Sunday. Uh, yeah, he had the sixty-yard run that won the game. But that uh, even more amazing to me was when he, uh, you know, had guys bouncing off him for ten seconds and then found the fell in the end zone for the touchdown. I mean, that was nobody else makes that play. There's not a lot of quarterbacks like him, you know. Roethlisberger probably has his size, but doesn't have his feet and his quickness and his straight line speed. I mean, he's six foot five. He's two hundred and forty-five pounds. I mean, he's like a tight end playing quarterback. And he's unlike most quarterbacks. Once he decides to pull the ball down and run, he's not looking for a safe, you know, landing spot. He, he's 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 aggressive with the ball, and he's a tough tackle in the open field. Dante, of course, is the physical comparison, but Dante was actually an accurate passer, and uh, and uh, you know he did things with his legs, but uh, they're not really that similar except size-wise. Yeah, I think they, yeah, there, there's some similarities, although um, you know what's interesting is is once Culpepper had the knee surgery, he yeah. wasn't the same player because right. when he couldn't run around and move and extend plays, then he struggled just being disciplined and accurate from the pocket. I think I would see that with Cam Newton. He's got a tendency to drop his eyes with the rush, look for a crease, look for a a lane to be able to run. And at times he gets lazy with his feet. He's a bigger quarterback. He gets lazy in the gun. He doesn't push up in the pocket. And I think, you know, we say when you, you you know, if you trust your feet, 
Uh, that usually leads you to a completion. And when he misses throws, and you study Cam Newton, when he misses throws, it's almost always footwork related. Uh, Rich Gannon's with us. Same old, same old uh, in the modern NFL. Uh, suddenly the Vikings are uh, wondering about the health of three offensive linemen. Uh, Riley Reef, who's been close to their MVP at left tackle, uh, filling that void. Uh, that looked bad. Uh, they're saying it isn't quite as bad, but uh, they ended up with an offensive line at the end of the game. The only regular playing his regular position was Joe Berger at right guard. And it, and it showed, and, it, and that's the problem. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why, you know, you look at how, how you know, Case Keenum got knocked around in that game. He got sacked six times. It could have been worse. Uh, that's a good defense. I mean, K1 Short, yep. Julius Peppers. I mean, they've got, the, you know, the linebackers, Keekley and Thomas, and that's a really good crew. But, and it also affected the Vikings' ability to run the football. I mean, the numbers to me were totally out of whack. You know, Keenum had to throw it 44 times. They didn't run the ball effectively. And you look at the rushing differential in that game. It was a big story. I mean, Stewart had a big day. I mean, they rushed for 216 yards against a pretty good Viking defense. Yeah, they popped. Uh, you know, they popped the sixty and the seventy. So that. Uh, that no, no, I mean, it, it, it's still. I mean, you, you know, those six and seven yard runs, those three yard runs, it all adds up. It keeps the offense off the field. Yeah, they uh, and uh, you know the offensive line. I keep saying it. I've said it fifty times. The biggest change in football in fifteen years is injuries on the offensive line and. You saw that with New England last night. All of a sudden, they're missing a couple of guys, and uh, even Brady can't survive that. I think there was two things that really stood out to me, was how the pocket continued to collapse around Brady. And I think there's, there's you know, you mentioned that the offensive line, the Patriots, the, the injuries that they've had, and also I think the play of, of the, the Dolphins' defensive line. And Dominican Sue is still a man among boys when he wants to play 60 minutes. And, and he was bringing it last night. And I think that was a big part of it. I just thought they played really well in the back end as well. So that, to me, was, uh, you know, the thing that's amazing, you look at the, the, the Dolphins, you say, that's a playoff team. If they could play like that every week, yeah. they can't. <laughs> that's the problem. They can't. Yeah, uh, and Cutler's been as erratic as ever, and they don't have Tannehill. But, yeah, you know, they've. They, you look at what they've done this year, it makes no sense. From one game to the next, uh, they're they're horrible and they're horrible, and then they pop up and beat New England. And they have a couple other big games too. But how many teams, Pat, around the league are we talking about like yeah. that? I mean, you know, the, the, the Chargers start zero and four. They you know they won six of their last eight or, or seven of their last nine. Now you look at you know the the, the Chiefs. They were five and zero, and then they lost six of their last seven. They finally get a win against the Raiders. But there's so many teams that have been just so up and down. And, I mean, some of it's injuries, some of it's just inconsistent play and lack of execution. But there's very few teams that have been able to kind of, you know, stay above the cut line. I mean, you look at the Patriots, the Steelers, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC. I think you look at the NFC, of course, the Vikings, the Saints, uh, the Eagles. Now, of course, the Eagles without Carson Wentz. It'll be very interesting to see what yeah. they're able to do the next three weeks. Yeah, there's a little less strength in that Nick Foles arm than there is in Wentz's. Hey, uh, I think the Cincinnati Bengals officially announced last week that uh, Marvin is, uh, with that effort, I don't think Marvin's coming back. Finally, it's finally over for Marvin, I'd say. How about that? I mean, oh. they, and you know, look, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they promote Paul Gunther, their defensive coordinator, to be the next head coach. Paul Brown doesn't like... He's, you know, he's he's a very let's say frugal owner. <laughs> Mike he Brown, doesn't yeah. like 
he doesn't like to. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike Brown, and he doesn't like like his father, Paul Brown. He doesn't like to, um, you know, have to pay these coaches' salaries who he's released. And so, you know, rather than release the whole staff, I could see him promoting Paul Gunther as the defensive <laughs> coordinator and and uh, just you know pay Marvin Lewis's salary. But um, you know that that's that's a bad team right now. Uh, and again, I watched them play against the Steelers, you know, two weeks ago, and they played they played actually a pretty good game. Uh, until the very end, so I don't know. Some teams, I just can, I just have a hard time figuring out. Yeah, well, that's uh, that one is uh, you know the the whole uh, byplay during that game was that Marvin before last week when during that Steeler game was Marvin knows it's all over for him too. So, uh, but you're right, Mike Brown is an odd fella. They got the worst facilities in the league, and uh, you know not necessarily stadium. Oakland's worse, but uh, they don't they don't spend any money on anything in Oakland. So, uh, who knows? I thought maybe that Shermer would be a candidate there because, uh, but Shermer makes probably makes more sense for the Bears with the young quarterback, huh? Yeah, I, I can't imagine John Fox surviving. I mean, because they just haven't gotten any better. I mean, he was, he was, you know, obviously a defensive coach. He was, you know, he thought that side of the ball would be a whole lot better. It really hasn't. Uh, he's got a, you know, he's got a good defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, but the offense to me is, is a problem. And you've got a young quarterback that you've got to get, you know, if you start learning bad habits as a young player, they're hard, often hard to correct. And I just think that, I'd be surprised if John Fox isn't let go, and I, I think the world of Pat Shermer. He got a really bad deal in Cleveland the one year he was the head coach there. Uh, I think he's certainly earned the right based on what he's done with even last year without an offensive line, the season that Bradford had. And then you look at what he's done this year with Case Keenum. I mean, he certainly has gotten the attention of a lot of owners who are looking for head coaches. Uh, uh, Rich Gannon's with us. Rich, uh, boy, uh, there's, it's been a crazy month in, in the NFL with player behavior and brawls and fights and uh, uh, the thing and uh, the thing with Seattle and Jacksonville that was uh, that was close to being over the top there when uh, the young man was going to climb into the stands. It's uh, but it has, hasn't been a goofy year as far as uh, not a goofy year, but maybe a goofy last month battling with the officials and battling with each other and a lot of cheap shots. It's been uh, it's been pretty rowdy. Yeah, it's been a, it has been a, you know we started with the anthem protest. That's yep. you know that's yep. carried that's carried on. We've had a lot of injuries. I mean, you think about Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt, and Richard Sherman. I mean, a lot of high profile players that have gone on injury reserve. And uh, you know, you look at the contact with the officials. We've had you know a, a release was sent out today to all the 32 teams about you know. We're not going to tolerate it. It'd be severe fines and suspensions and discipline and disqualifications and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you look at the Seattle-Jacksonville uh, game where, you know, players got frustrated at the end. There was a couple ejections. One player going to, going to the locker room. He gets tossed. They get a beer tossed on him, and he decides to you know, head up into the stands and take care. I mean, it's just, it's just there's no place for that in our game. And you've got these grown men who made a, paid a lot of money, and, and they, they're not going to have – Somebody throw a beer at him. I, yeah. You know, there's, there's there's two sides. The players have to exercise better judgment, and also the fans can't just 
because they pay their money to decide to throw something at a player. Well, uh, you played out there in Oakland with one of the rowdiest fan, fan bases, but uh, the the field was uh, you were kind of far enough away without you you couldn't get in that much trouble with the fans, could you? Out there, I guess down in the uh, down in the one end zone, they might be able to throw a beer bottle or two, but it was uh, it was uh, running up the dugout probably wasn't that bad, huh? Well, you'd be surprised. You know, I, I played there a bunch as a, as a visitor. You know, I was with the Chiefs for all Oh, no, sure. And I can remember on the sidelines, no player would ever take their helmet off in fear that something would hit you in the head. <laughs> and I was sitting next to Marcus Allen one time, the Hall of Fame running back, and, and he he had his helmet on and something hit him in the head. He looked down on the ground. It was a bullet. Now, and they didn't, they didn't shoot the bullet. Someone threw a bullet <laughs> up in the upper deck. And, I mean, they, they would throw things at you. They'd say, thing about, say things about your your mom and your wife terrible <laughs> and, and you know like that's um that's a i don't want to say a special play place that's a, that's a unique place I, I i would always tell you that i preferred playing there at the home team as opposed to the visiting <laughs> team. i i would imagine that that to be true hey you mentioned jacksonville uh 10 and 3 right 10 and 3 what the heck and uh, nine and four nine and four excuse me but bortles has looked pretty good for a couple of weeks here Couple things. So the defense has been outstanding. Yes, right. They're really, they've got two excellent corners in AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey. They, they, they've invested millions and millions of dollars in, in the defensive front. It's a really good defense. They've got a number one rushing team in football. Letter Fournette's been outstanding. And as you point out, Pat, the quarterback has really done a much better job this season of taking care of the ball. And in the last four weeks, I think he's played some of his best football. He's they've got an offensive coordinator down there. Uh, that uh, I think he's done a terrific job. Nathaniel Hackett, his dad used to be a longtime coordinator in this league, Paul Hackett. He's, oh, sure. he's really worked with him with the footwork. He's 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 really been disciplined with him just in terms of working about the completion, getting the ball out on time. He's done a much better job, and if he can behave himself the rest of the way, this team's got a chance, I think, maybe even to win a home playoff game. Yeah, it's uh, it is a astounding the way they uh, knock you around, man. They will uh, they will come at you with that team and uh, weird year to see uh, that. You know the the uh, the the NFC is full of surprises. Vikings. I don't think anybody thought the Eagles were going to be this good, but uh, Jacksonville is probably the surprise of the season, I would guess. I think so. I, I just you know it's amazing how one person can go down there and quickly change the culture and the environment. Tom Coughlin's done a terrific job. You know he kept. The coach, uh, you know, Doug Marone, and he kept the general manager, uh, David Caldwell, but he changed a lot. And I think it's all about winning. You know, I think the first thing he did was adjust the clocks in the building. Everyone has to be in the meetings five minutes before the meetings start. I mean, he doesn't fool around. It's all about discipline, structure, accountability, and they've done a terrific job down there in a short period of time. I remember uh... – 25 years ago, being around Parcells, saying Coughlin was the smartest football guy he'd ever been around. So that was yeah. I, I still it is amazing. So they 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 ran him out of New York, yeah. and that that didn't turn out too well. And now he's down there in Jacksonville, and I just think he's a he's a brilliant football mind. And I think he's and Doug Marone told me I did did the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple of weeks ago, and, and Doug Marone said how many head coaches have someone down the hall like a Tom Coughlin, where you can just walk down the hall and ask him anything you want. And he's been a tremendous resource for that entire coaching staff. Hey, uh, Rich, uh, thanks for your time, sir, and we'll talk to you next week. You're the best. See you, buddy. All right. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.